0: of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 280. Andrew with you this week, and we have a very exciting episode for you. It is not a solo show, this week I am talking to Tim Kitzrow, the legendary voice of NBA Jam. It was a very fun interview to do, talking about his career, NBA Jam of course, and all the fun we've had with arcade basketball games over the years. So without any further ado, here is the interview. So basketball gamers, we have a treat for you today. I've, I've tried to become a better and better digital broadcaster over the years and do a, a better voice for you all, and I feel I really have to lift my game today because we have a very special guest for you. He's the uh, he's the man whose voice is always on fire. He's the Baron of Boom Shakalaka himself. Please welcome to the NLC Podcast, Mr. Tim Kitzrow. Tim, welcome to the show.
1: From down under, Boom Shakalaka. <laughs> I, I normally would say from downtown, but it would seem appropriate that we're from down under, he's on fire, kaboom!
0: Absolutely. Uh once again thank you so much for talking to us today. It's uh NBA Jam is an absolute classic as many of our uh, listeners will agree and yeah, really looking forward to getting your insights on the game and how you've been involved with it.
1: Well, uh first of all, I was just thinking of like all the stupid Australian references any time Americans want to do their their Australian bit, they go back to Crocodile Dundee like now this is a knife. It's like, <laughs> you know, the dagger. With the dagger. With the knife. Boom, shot a locker.
0: I uh, see so you've played Knifey so, Spoony before.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was an interesting uh, uh, beginning for me in the industry because uh, I was a uh, – and am a classically trained actor and thought I'd be doing Shakespeare and all the great classics on stage. That was, uh, you know, when I was in college. And uh, moved out to Chicago to uh, study some uh, improv at Second City. And while trying to uh, uh, work the agencies for commercial and TV and film work, uh, As a little uh, weekend hobby, I still uh, played drums. Uh, I was always a drummer in high school, so I had a a, a group of guys that I met uh, through friends at a a restaurant job, and a couple of the guys were responsible for putting the music and the voice and all the things into pinball games out at Midway, Midway, Valley, and Williams, a gaming company here in Chicago. And they needed someone to do uh, Mr. Howell for a Gilligan's Island game, and I said, oh, Gilligan, maybe we could ride Kona. And I was in, just... uh, just on that, so uh, John Hay was the guy who did that uh, game, and I did 15 subsequent pinball game uh, voices, and he ended up being the producer uh, for uh, NBA Jam. He wrote that great theme music, and originally, Mark Trammell the creator of Smash TV, NBA Jam, Blitz, and a bunch of other hits, uh, asked John Hay if he wanted to do the voice. Now, back in, in the day, in game companies, often the music and uh, sound guys did a lot of the voices for pinball games. And so as was a video game era was coming in. They said, Hey, John, you want to do that? And he goes, no, you know, Tim, Tim'd be a better choice, you know, because I'd been working with him on so many pinball games. So it was really just a lot of luck. And I'd proven myself obviously uh, doing a lot of successful pinball games and thank God, you know, John, you know, <laughs> offered it to me instead of taking it and kind of the rest is history. You know, we just took off. I had no idea, you know, what to expect, uh, was not a video gamer really uh, per se. And, uh, so just went in and I was a huge basketball fan, Chicago Bulls fan, uh, played basketball all the time. So it was just kind of a childhood dream of, you know, in the backyard when I'd play, I'd, like every other kid, you know, three seconds on the clock, Kittsrow with the ball and he hits the jumper, you know, that kind of thing. Like my whole life, uh, you know, so I, I was kind of prepared for the moment. And then, uh, have, having uh, been such a big Bulls fan, I kind of channeled Marv Albert because he was really the voice of the NBA. So, You'll hear a lot of his lines, actually, which were, you know, he's heating up, he's on fire. He's heating up, he's on fire! And I just kind of emulated that kind of uh, high energy that Marv has. But, of course, you know, uh, we all have our own signature, you know, tone and sound, so it uh, it became mine. And uh, uh, I do owe a lot to Marv, though. He definitely was the inspiration for that uh, excited, you know, level and a lot of his classic lines.
0: That, that's really cool. I remember you talking in other interviews about channeling Marv Albert, and it's it's funny that it really came about. this almost serendipity, I guess, that you came to be the voice of NBA Jam, and and just as Marv Albert has become the voice of basketball for many of our many of us fans in our mind, I think a lot of people when they think of basketball gaming and certainly Jam, it's uh it must be wild that now it's your voice that they they hear. Yeah, it is, it is
1: interesting, and that uh, this really kind of. Fun fact about NBA Jam is that it um, opened up uh, while the NBA itself, 93, was really coming of age with, you know, Michael Jordan uh, mm-hmm. and the bird magic kind of handing off the torch. But it was still kind of, you know, pre-obviously social media. Uh, uh, everybody did not have cable, So there were only, you know, a few games on TV. There was that Sunday game of the week. There wasn't, you know, TNT games all the time on NBA TV. So a lot of people around the world got their first taste of the NBA and teams and players through NBA Jam, and I've had lots of uh, calls and correspondences with people around the world that said that they under they learned the NBA through NBA Jam. So that's kind of cool that uh, it's it's had a you know rich legacy in the you know spreading of the NBA. You know people would never have known uh, obscure teams and obscure players if it wasn't for NBA Jam. So. Uh, there's an article uh, written by um, uh, the quarterback for the the, the Seattle uh, Seahawks, and uh, he said he said that he wanted to play NBA Jam as the Sonics because he loved their uniform so much. So uh, it's everybody had their reason to like choose a team. If you if you lived in another country, you know how do you choose your team or your player? And if you live in a small town in the U.S. and you don't have a team in your state or whatever, who do you choose? You go for you know a fun uniform. A, a, the kid would do so it's really interesting how it all spread
0: that uh, is interesting because i remember back in the 90s with uh, here in australia you would have the game of the week that was on usually not live you'd have to tape it late at night sometimes they'd put it on and you just have to record it yeah. with v- vcrs kids there used to be these things called vcrs that recorded onto magnetic tape. Yeah. um but yeah i i think through that and through basketball cards and games like jam you do actually learn about the players so it really the way video games in the 90s kind of taught us about especially those of us outside the big markets in the u.s and outside of the u.s entirely that's it is really cool and you know it's, it's also funny when i look back at the history of jam is that i was watching the pitch video that midway made to get the nba license back in the day and they were kind of selling it as more of a realistic game so it's kind of funny that it became the uh iconic arcade game that what we call the arcade style of basketball with the high-flying dunks and, and the on-fire mechanics and everything else that's not realistic but still a very fun representation of virtual basketball
1: yeah and the, the previous game by midway was called arch rivals uh, oh
0: yeah Brian i've uh, Powell, pro- profiled that one yeah
1: yeah and the guy he also did uh a rampage and and uh, a lot of other great games but uh they had discovered you know the the motion capture you know it was just in its heyday and they went no, we're not going to do any more animated. Which was Arch Rivals was animated, so it was the first time, you know, they put the uh, the sensors on, you know, basketball players, local DePaul college basketball players, and captured the motion, you know, uh, of a you know real player. So it was a real step up, and they had to uh, find uh, images of the basketball players in magazines because you couldn't go online and get, you know, yeah. all these pictures of players the way you can now. So they would actually scan pictures of players from magazines and digitize them for their likeness. So it was a really, really difficult job. It was so, uh, you know, time consuming, pixel by pixel to arrange them. And at the time, it, it looked like the most realistic, you know, uh, uh, video that you'd ever seen of, of uh, you know, portraying, you know, the faces and the likenesses. So it's pretty cool just to think how far the, you know, gaming has come since, since those days. And it's only 26 years ago.
0: And And Midway kind of pioneered that in a, res- a certain respect, I suppose, because of course you also had Mortal Kombat with digitized actors as well. yeah
1: absolutely. yep, that was that was the other great uh, game that they did, and it came out just before us, and that was the groundbreaking game was breaking all kinds of records, and then we came along and smashed their record. So they were really on fire. <laughs> and Midway Games was really, you know, the company that had all the hits and certainly made uh, their bread and butter in that little stretch with the sports games. I mean, there was no other company that did that. We did uh, uh, went on to do NFL blitz, MLB slug fest and NHL hits. So we've got all four major league sports covered and uh, it was really a, a great time in, in video games. And uh, for a little while, when it went to the home market, I lost my job to Marv Albert for one of the home versions for a claim. They sold the right to NBA Jam to Acclaim, because Midway was not a software company at that point. They were just in the arcade business, so they had to make some money on it, and Acclaim offered them a you know ton of money. So Marv took my job, and then uh, I guess the fans and critics or whatever decided that it wasn't authentic, and so they brought me back. So that was quite a thrill, if you can imagine. You know, I was such a big fan of his. Emulate him, and then I lose my job to him, <laughs> and then I get the job back. So... Really, pretty uh, flattering, intended. Yeah,
0: you, you didn't do Hang Time, did you? That was Neil Funk, I believe.
1: It, that was Neil Funk from the Bulls. Yep, yep. And then I came back and did Showtime. Uh, welcome to Showtime, the NBA on NBC. And and Neil is one of my favorites. Also, he's he's uh, just a great broadcaster. But I don't think that those guys, certainly at that time, uh, as broadcasters, really had a, a feel and an understanding and appreciation for the voice acting job. And uh, the guys at Midway that recorded Neil Funk, for instance, they said it was just a real, you know, uh, tedious thing for those guys. It was hard for them to get some of the same energy reading a, a script that seemed so dry when they were used to calling the action live. So that's where my acting and improv background, you know, really helped out. And it is a different animal. You know, you can be a great broadcaster live. And I know that for me, if I sat live, it would take me a while to get used to, you know, getting into that role. So. There was really something about being a voice actor and improv person, I think, that, that gave me a, a, a leg up on uh, the other guys.
0: Well, that actually leads uh, quite nicely into a question I had, which is, uh, over the years, from the original to, the, of course, the EA Sports reboots, uh, how much of your commentary has been scripted and how much has been improvised with just situations or even gameplay footage?
1: Oh, Basically, if you look at the first one, listen to the first one, there's not a whole lot of speech in there. I could basically you know, sit here for five minutes and give you all the one-liners that everybody remembers rejected get that stuff out of here no good puts up a brick (laughs) can't buy a shot (laughs) and and so we had those the the majority of the you know the the script was just like players names and different inflections for all the players so the biggest difference is back then there was so little uh memory uh that we could afford to put in those games Uh, uh so it was it was really tough it had to be minimal it couldn't be long lines and the gameplay was so quick that, you know, you had to keep things brief. Um, everything was scripted uh, for all the games. There are certainly – I I'm I improvise on the spot, uh, sometimes in the studio and, and riff, and I come up and I'll write stuff like, you know, the day of or while we're in the session or on a break. Um, but when it got to – the biggest difference is when we got to Blitz, now we're starting to actually sound like a broadcast. Uh, there We brought in a color commentator for me. Uh, but the play by play was rich and it was more in depth when we got to uh, Slugfest uh, and NHL hits. Very, very deep. 17,000, I think, uh, uh, calls in, in NHL hits. I wrote all the script for MLB Slugfest and, and most of it for, uh, for NFL Blitz as well. So it really went from just a carnival barker, you know, one liners, you know, he's on fire, boom, from shaka laka, from, from downtown to, you know, a, more of a broadcaster. Tone, but then I started to develop, to develop my own style a lot more with Blitz because I didn't have to be that high-pitched uh, uh, Marv Albert style. I had a grittier "Welcome to NFL Blitz!" Oh, he just ripped his head off! No, it was just his helmet. That was totally unnecessary, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun to watch. So I got into you know deeper, you know more bombastic and aggressive tone for that, and then Slugfest, you know just uh, classic uh, broadcaster uh, baseball broadcaster where if you listen to it during the play-by-play, like, and Sosa steps in, he takes one, or you know, pitch pitch on the outside corner and he rips up to left field. So you're getting more of that play-by-play, but then there's all this great comedy. Just It was a really ridiculous game. You could go to first base and then punch the first baseman, knock him around, knock the ball out of his glove, charge the mound, uh, crazy stadiums that we played in in addition to all the, the uh, regular stadiums. So, yeah, the biggest difference is we got much, much, much more in-depth um, and made it feel more like a real uh, broadcast. However, the difference is, you know, the sim games were starting to take over and kind of push the arcades aside, so they went to all the TV broadcasters. Once again, it was a kind of a tough thing for them. Uh, MLB Slugfest was the top selling baseball game or, or top critics baseball game for a while, and I remember reading a review about Bob Costas, uh, one of the other titles uh, by another company, and they said, Although Bob Costas you know, is a great broadcaster, he falls flat and it comes up very you know boring and dry and repetitive, and that's the challenge in a in a game. If you're trying to make it so lifelike, but you're just sitting in a studio reading you know these lines and trying to make it sound like a real broadcast, it's it's really tough for people who've grown up in the broadcast industry to get that you know that same effect. And I think that the the um, advantage we had is that we were we knew we were being entertaining. We knew that we had a humorous slant. We knew that we had a- a kind of a, a sly and snarky, you know, uh, uh, off-the-wall humor. So it was really a performance more than anything for me as a comedian and, you know, improviser. So I think it had that extra energy that is lacking in, uh, the, you know, the sim games. I think that, you know, they portray real life as best they can, this virtual world. But to me, my preference is the more cartoonish, a game that's a game as opposed to mimicking, you know, real life and real sports.
0: Well, I absolutely agree. I mean, you look at a lot of the old arcade-style games, they hold up even today, whereas a lot of the sim games from the time, you can appreciate them for what they were trying to do and be realistic, but they, they just don't have the tech, of course, that they have today, and today the, the sim games are doing some great things, but you go back and you play even the original NBA Jam or the other great titles that you mentioned, and NFL Blitz, etc., and they still hold up. People still still love them. It's a big part of retro gaming.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, there, there's... well i've talked about it with a lot of people uh, lately because the arcades are making the huge comeback as you know and in chicago alone there are probably uh 10 or 15 major arcades i went to one in san francisco when we were out there at the uh, game developers conference and uh a theater that used the grateful dead used to play in is now an arcade three you know three levels two balconies a huge screen they put up uh, the insert coin documentary about nba jam and midway games while we we're there played with the owner uh, uh, uh sal david and mark chamel the creators of the game played you know the nba jam game and the excitement level you know for for that arcade style is just uh it's just coming back and and now it's like when you are have grown up on sim games so you're a kid and then you get a taste of the arcade it's like oh let's take a break from playing this video game to play a game you know yeah. <laughs> there, where it's, it, it's, it's fantasy it's part fantasy sim games is not fantasy it's trying to portray reality. So there's that moment of like, you know, with an NBA Jam or a Blitz or my new game, Mutant Football League, which we'll talk about, You instead of taking an hour to play a game or however long it takes to play a sim game and all the setup and all the coaching and everything else, that's part of the fun of those games. You get to be the coach. You get to put the team together. You get to be the general manager. But if you go, you know what? Let's just take a break. Let's go outside and shoot some hoops. That's what an arcade game is like. Let's just go have some fun for little. Take a break from Madden and play NFL Blitz or play Mutant Football League. So that's where I think the niche, uh, the niche is for for my games is that it's like a break from you know these over you know over like uh, indulgent kind of like reality sim games and they're both fine but I think it's there's there's room for both certainly.
0: Oh, and I absolutely agree, and it's been great to see some some of it make a comeback, from about such as NBA Playgrounds, which we'll touch on a little bit as well. But I remember back in the day, my cousin and I would we'd play NBA Live growing up because that would be our our sim game of choice, well, that was pretty much the sim back in the 90s, of course. But we'd always break it up with some sessions of NBA Jam, actually NBA Jam uh, Tournament Perfect. Edition on PC. Yeah. Because we, we'd play our season yeah. with, with our teams and be doing all the five-on-five stuff, but then we'd go back to jam yep. and we'd we try and just beat all the teams. We'd, we'd try to use every team and beat every team just in the school holidays. It was it was so much fun, and it, it broke up the, uh, the sim experience. And also, you
1: know, how... People love to get together for either, you know, uh, NFL on Sunday or for, you know, basketball, basketball games You're watching game like during halftime, you know, during timeout, you can actually get a, a whole game of jammin' or a whole game of blitz or a whole game of Mutant football league and, you know, and choose your teams and just have some fun. You couldn't do that with a Madden or a NBA Live or NBA 2K. So it is, it's, just a, it's, it's just a great release and, and it's so much fun to play together. You know, that's yes. the one thing that, you know, the online and the headset and, you're, you know, I would picture like some kid in his underpants, you know, eating <laughs> Fruit Loops in bed in a dark room, you know, in a beautiful day, like playing with some kid across the globe. It's like, but being at the arcade or bringing the arcade back of going out or having friends over to your house with, you know, you know, four controllers and playing NBA Jam. It's about the, you know, the fun of uh, trash talking each other and being there live and having that energy of a a combined human experience as opposed to just a virtual digital experience.
0: And people can really appreciate the Jam style. I mean, not everyone's into the Sim style, especially more casual basketball fans and Mm -hmm. gamers, whereas if you're a Sim head, you've really got to be into the whole Sim idea, which is fine. I mean, I've certainly indulged in that over the years too, but the Jam is a game, like you say, that you can play with with people it's, it's it's really good multiplayer action back in the day and, and even still i mean they still have those retro tournaments i believe you actually uh, commentated on one recently
1: yeah we had a, a nice little uh intimate jam con uh you know little get together here in chicago and when i do retro gaming shows i'll be doing one up in milwaukee it's fun to just while people are are competing yeah i don't try to call the game because i could uh, I could never keep up with myself in the game and it would get a little monotonous, but I like to just, uh, you know, be uh, a commentator to just have some fun and, and rib people and, and, uh, you know, do more comedy kind of, uh, entertaining, uh, as opposed to actual play by play. But yeah, it's great fun. And you can imagine how much fun for people that, you know, for having me there live while they're doing it, <laughs> it's kind of a weird experience and I get a kick out of it.
0: Reminds me of a, a video uh, profile of uh, Sub-Zero, actually, for Mortal Kombat and that was m- produced many years ago when they were talking to uh, John Turk, who portrayed Sub-Zero, I think, in uh, Mortal Kombat 3 and Ultimate Mortal Kombat, uh, talking about going up behind people oh. at the arcades, and uh, they had no idea that the guy playing Sub-Zero was <laughs> right there behind them. Did you ever wander up to somebody yeah. behind them in the arcade yeah, and just well, break out? The- a- He's on fire! <laughs>
1: well, just last year, when I was up in Milwaukee, uh, I had a table set up with the Mortal Kombat guys, and we were there to, you know- you know sign autographs and you know hang out and have fun with people but right behind us was the back of all the arcade games and you could actually like slip through a little foot between each game and nba jam was right behind me and and some uh, uh young girl was playing it and i just started to yell some things because i could hear my voice behind her like get that shot out of here no good boom, shakalaka! and she sticks her face in between the cabinets and sees me yelling it just about blew her mind so,
0: uh, <laughs> that's awesome
1: uh, and, and and back in the day when I would go to the arcades to see how NBA Jam was doing, it was fun. Like the first week we at a big arcade in, in Chicago that was uh, down at Navy Pier, there was just a handful of people. Like literally a few days later, there was 10, 15 people, and it used to attract these huge crowds. And just like in a, in a pool hall, people would put their quarters, you know, on the on the game, on the shelf and, you know, call next game. And uh, I'd walk up behind, watch for a few minutes, then start doing ugly shot, get that stuff out of here, boom, circle lock. <laughs> Yeah. and some guy turned around. And goes, hey, you sound like the dude from the game, man. I go, I am the dude, man. Boom, dark locker, jump mic, walk And they just be scratching their heads like, was that for real? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's
0: funny. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Ron Atkinson and Mr. Bean at all. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. he awesome. uh, he told he told a story about how he was getting a, a part for his car, and they said, oh, someone coming up to him and saying, you know, you just look like that guy who plays Mr. Bean, and he's the whole oh, you know actually you know i am and they just wouldn't believe him and the more he tried to insist he was who he was they just refused to believe he was mr bean
1: really and i can only imagine like you know my heroes from a voice uh actor perspective like you know the simpsons uh you know uh seth McFarlane, the family guy just had fun of like and for years like i didn't know like what those guys looked like i didn't know hank azaria and all those guys and so i just love watching clips you know on on uh YouTube, or when I see him on talk shows, I could watch them all day do their voice. And I imagine that same thing their whole lives. They walk around before Hank Area is getting much more uh, prominent, well-known now. He's got his Brockmire show, et cetera. But no one ever knew those voice actors. You know, Mel Blanc, you know, who who knew what he looked like back in the day. And it's just thrilling that I could just watch people do those voices all day and they must have so much fun, you know, going through a drive through McDonald's, you know, and, and just, you know, going into one of the, the Simpsons voices. So, <laughs>
0: And, of course, you mentioned the Simpsons and uh, Dan Castellaneta, of course, the voice of Homer Simpson, uh, also from Chicago yep. and, I believe, also involved in Second yeah, City.
1: My, yeah, when I when I signed up with my first agency, uh, the woman said, you know, I gave Dan his first job. I was like, great, yeah, there was Second City, all, a lot of those guys, yep.
0: So, we're, getting back to the commentary for a second, the iconic word, of course, and you've mentioned it a few times, and I, I never get sick of hearing it, is boom shakalaka, of course um, – Is that your creation, or is it kind of like cowabunga, where it's been around and you've just popularized it?
1: Well, I'm just going to say it's my creation. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) I I (laughs) think that after all these years, like there's various different stories and the folklore, but uh, in the end, I'm I'm just going to take credit for it. It was uh, certainly, you know, I I think if you you know do enough research, you find out that uh, Laka, There was even like Caribbean song with Laka in it, whatever. In the Family Stone was uh, in the chorus of I Want to Take You Higher, was not saying boom, but they said sort of booshaka laka laka, booshaka laka laka. And Bill Murray and Stripes does it. So it was just a, a, a phrase that was out there. And one of the guys in the sound department, you know, said, hey, why don't you say that, you know? And once I said it, though, the cool thing was it became synonymous with, you know, the dunk and. You know, with NBA Jam, and uh, it's certainly you know now it's it's everywhere, and in commercials and advertising. So, uh, it's it's pretty cool the way that that one phrase, that one word, stuck. And it's the perfect onomatopoeia. Go look that up on Wikipedia. The boom it, hits the rim, and the shakalaka is the rim shaking afterwards. Boom shakalaka.
0: Oh, it is perfect.
1: That's a Better way to describe a dunk, you know.
0: And and we can say for sure that uh, Muppets Treasure Island did steal it from you so that's that's one for the 90s kids out Absolutely. there <laughs>
1: yeah
0: you know you mentioned JamCon and all the other events and of course you've been making some appearances for nba teams as well which has been really cool to see and you also post about nba jam on your on your twitter as well and it's it's really cool to see for me because you've really become something of an ambassador for the nba jam brand and, and keeping it alive for all of us who have such fond memories of it i mean it could be It can be very easy for you to be, oh, you know, that was a part of my life. You know, that was nice to do that uh, 25 years ago or whatever, and just leave it in the past. But you really represent the brand, and it's really cool for us who grew up with the game to see you so enthusiastic about this project that you did all these years later.
1: Well, I was very fortunate that EA did want to do a new version in 2010, and that's really what started the whole new uh, uh, resurgence for me because uh, I went on their Sports Nation show with uh, Colin Coward and Michelle Beadle. We have them as secret characters in NBA Jam, and EA has a relationship with uh, ESPN. So I was the guest host. I introduced the show, and then I sat down with them, and uh, they uh, played the game, and I did some live stuff while they were, you know, there playing the game. And that went so well that uh, they had another show on ESPN called Unite that lasted about a year, and they had me do a highlights uh, Best Dunks of 2013, which you can find on my website at tinkitsero.com or MrBoomShakalaka.com. So that went really well. It got uh, written up in USA Today and a lot of, uh, you know, online media sources saying uh, NBA Jam on ESPN, you know, greatest uh, highlight uh, reel we've ever seen. So then uh, a guy from the Houston Rockets had seen that. So he called me and said, you want to do some highlights for us? And I happened to uh, do highlights for them a a few years back when James Harden had his first 50-point game. And it was the back-to-back uh, championship night for the uh, the world champion Rockets. And the commissioner was on hand, and they played it on the largest scoreboard in the NBA that the, the Rockets have. And that's on my website as well. It was just great. They did great graphics. They put a twister mat underneath Rubio, and Harden does such a crossover. He knocks Rubio on the floor and it's like, how about a little t- game of twister, Rubio? Left foot green, right foot blue. How about my hot hand and your red face? Boom, shakalaka. laka. <laughs> And uh, that video ended up winning a, uh, an award for the best in-game sports video for all four major league sports at a conference in Seattle. So, of course, other NBA you know teams are there. They're watching it. So then I get a call from another team and the Warriors. And I ended up doing two years of a highlights for the Warriors and set for a third year. So, uh, yeah, it's really taken off. I was in Charlotte and Milwaukee and you know, just uh, having fun. And, you know, there's 30 teams, and I'd love to work with all of them. There's all these throwback Tuesdays, throwback Thursday, classic nights, 90s nights, and uh, hooking up with entertainment. Uh, Coolio, I just did a show with him in Charlotte. So there's that nostalgia, the 90s. You know, all the, all the guys like you and you know that are in their 30s and 40s now who grew up playing it, they're going to NBA games. And so it's part of their childhood. And for them to see a highlight video NBA Jam Style is, is a lot of fun, and, and I'm having great, great fun doing it.
0: And it's, it's very cool to see that retro art as well where they'll have the current players done in that 8-bit or 16-bit pixel art and with the ratings yeah. bars and everything. It's, it's just really cool, really cool merch coming out of it.
1: Yeah, uh, a company called Homage that's been in touch with me, we're trying to figure out a way to, to work together because they have a license uh, uh, a licensing agreement with the NBA so they can do all these NBA shirts with uh, both the old players and then they update the t-shirts with the best do well from the current teams too which is fun they have fans vote on it so you can get you know all the nba jam shirts from them
0: so of course there's the original nba jam and nba jam tournament edition and uh, there's actually one in, in 2004 as well came out 2003 nba jam 2004 which you were sure to do commentary on as well that was when uh, acclaim had it and they got the jam back and a couple of the jam games in the late 90s they were trying to go for that more sim route with i think it's jam 99 and jam 2000 so they brought back that for Jam 2004, and of course EA brought it back and brought you back with uh, uh, NBA Jam 2010, I guess. the reboot NBA Jam and then On Fire Edition. Uh, my favorite editions mm-hmm. of uh, NBA Jam are actually Tournament Edition and On Fire Edition. I just think they're both fantastic games that are built on the original concept yeah. so well. Uh, do you have a favorite at all? Is, is, nostalgically, is the first one still there yeah. for you?
1: Um, well, for, for nostalgia's sake, I mean, you, it's like, uh, an artist recording their first hit single, you know, NBA Jam. it. There was no pressure. There was, you know, it, it had never. No one had ever attempted a game like that before. It was my first foray into, you know, sports broadcasting, going from uh, character roles and pinball. So that will always just be just that amazing, like lightning in a bottle. You know, that was a moment in pop culture history. But then on Fire Edition, you know, I did so much writing and I got so much more uh, detailed. And, uh, so much more of my personality, my humor came out in that. And I thought their graphics were great. Uh, so those, those are my, you know, the two favorites. I think that the, it's too bad that the acclaimed version, I, I don't, uh, know anyone that has ever said, wow, I love that version. It actually kind of took a beating because I think they took it way too far in this cartoony, uh, stylized, uh, you know, the, the, the look of the players, everything else. Um, so I, I don't think that worked well and that's too bad, but, uh, you know, once they sold that license to Acclaim, uh, you know Mark Jamel and the, the creators were just so sad because like that was their baby. That's why we did Showtime and Hangtime. We have new titles, but still stay in the arcade style. But I don't think Acclaim really uh, hit it on their their version. Well,
0: I think that definitely seems to be the consensus. And and Hangtime and Showtime, they're fantastic games as well. But the Jam brand, I think, is so iconic that perhaps they're a bit overlooked these days.
1: Yeah. Uh, so there's the new uh, Playgrounds out, um, and from what I've seen just watching some trailers and things on YouTube, uh, it, it, it's it's cool. You know, it definitely, in every single uh, review you'll see, based on, like, the NBA Jam arcade experience, you know, pretty good for blah, 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 or whatever. But my, my thing is, like, the, the uh, play-by-play guys, they're not in the cartoon world. They're kind of calling it like a real game. Uh, And it just doesn't match up with the play, that whole thing I was talking about earlier. Like, what what we provided with Jam, and certainly with the EA Sports one, is cartoonish, over the top, and humor, and it's hard to hear, like, guys trying to realistically call a game where the players also in Playground are are more cartoonish looking. Mm. So, I think you have to strike that right balance of, if it's, you know, not real, it's clearly like fantasy and comic book and cartoon you've got to match that with the the script and the vocals and you know the the guys do a good job but it's just weird it's like you know realistically calling a cartoon so i don't know how you feel about that
0: um it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because i mean that's certainly true from the the presentation that's obviously what stands out to you being the voice of nba jam i think for a lot of us gamers on the sticks it's a fun game but there's a lot of uh, staples of arcade gaming the jam established that aren't yeah. quite there with playgrounds for example in the original jam of course even though big men of course these days big men can shoot threes but back in the day that was yeah. rare so even but you can still hit threes there's actually a video on our youtube channel of people of uh, myself uh, with yinka dare hitting a game-winning three in nba jam tournament edition pc <laughs> so you can you can do it with low ratings whereas they've kind of taken almost a sim approach to three-point shooting in playgrounds yeah. so it's kind of this weird mishmash of r- this classic arcade style that they've taken from jam but also some really realistic elements that feel out of place so it's funny that you mentioned the commentary and that kind of marries up to the concept of it's arcade and it's it's a good game it's a very solid game but it's not quite nba jam and i think that's why we'd love to see a new jam on this generation if that's ever possible and uh i think i speak for everyone when i say well we, we hope that you could be involved and to that point would you be involved yeah,
1: but- you know? And when you're playing a game that has guys doing, you know, 20-foot somersault on fire dunks, yeah. you know, you don't want to hear a commentator, like, in playgrounds, like, uh, you know, and he really dunks that one down hard, or you know, just this matter-of-fact thing, like, you need to hear, like, on a block or something, like, like my wife almost says, not tonight! <laughs> or, uh, you know, like, rummaging through your girlfriend's top dresser door, he finds nothing but nylon, boom-shakalaka! You know, you got to have, you know, what my job is, is to be an entertainer, you know, and Mm. to make the game sound as entertaining as the visuals, as the concept of like over-the-top crazy look and crazy. uh, 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 Well, one thing that we didn't do really with um, uh, the EA version is we didn't go into that like crazy courts all around the world and on yachts like ballers or whatever else. It always stays in the stadium for the most part, except for the legends. There's kind of a, a different background But, yeah, and I would love to um, see what happens this next year. The the license is up with EA Sports, uh, with the NBA. They have the the license that's tied in with their uh, EA Live uh, sim game. So if they want to sign back on, I would hope that they go, we're signing on and we're going to do something with it, as opposed to just having it be an asset sitting on the shelf. You know, what's the use of it collecting dust, you know, all these years later. So, you know, hopefully someone else picks it up, and I've kind of been involved with you know, uh, trying to pursue uh, uh, a new version of it. So we'll see what happens. A lot riding on uh, the next few months.
0: And I think we were all hoping to see something last year, what with it being the 25th anniversary. So I think a few of us were a bit uh, disappointed that nothing came of that.
1: They, they, They really missed the opportunity. It's just too bad because, you know, they should understand more than anyone like nostalgia sells and oh yeah you know, we do it right like there's so many classic duos one of the things that came out of nba jam is just to talk throughout sports and just through the nba is who are your best duos uh, when we did it we did a hashtag nba jam day for espn last year i did a couple of highlights for sports center i did a weeks for the promos for the last game of the year and they had a huge article on their site you like well who are today's best nba jam duos everybody's always talking about you know big three also because in NBA Jam, you always had that third player you could substitute, whatever. And it's such a fun thing to, like, well, who are the best two, you know? There are so many great teams with, like, duos. And uh, there's a, a thing on YouTube of Steph Curry at an NBA Jam uh, tournament uh, when he was younger saying me and Clay would be the best duo in NBA Jam. And they went through the whole bracket of every other current, you know, duo in the NBA. And it was just great fun. And people love to, to talk about that. And that was the fun thing about NBA Jam. And if you play it now, you know... A lot of the, the strategy is every team, you know, every player has their own rating. So pick the right players for the right matchups. There's still, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, interesting kind of coaching that goes on there or, or, you know, GM kind of thing, like which player am I going to play against this team? If that guy's playing the Sonics, I have to play this guy because he's going to be better three-point guy or whatever. So there's a lot of strategy that goes into it, and uh, I think it would be so much fun because there are so many stars in the NBA today that if you really look at the NBA damn lineups you know it's not like today I mean today if you took basically two stars from every team they're stars I mean there are a few holes in there with you know smaller market teams but uh, you look at a lot of players from the original roster they were not big stars
0: that's true Um, looking back I'm just trying to think of some of the players Uh, in tournament edition they were on the nets they had Obviously, Derek Coleman and uh, Kenny Anderson, but then also Kevin Edwards. Although he he actually used yep. Bill Edwards' portrait in the PC version. I did an article about that a couple of weeks back, which was. Well,
1: yeah, and the other interesting thing is Mark Turmel, uh told me that when he was choosing, when they were choosing the players, like who we're going to use for this team, who we're going to use for the Mavericks, who we're going to use for New Jersey, they didn't know all the, the rosters up and down. You know, because we were talking earlier about like the limited exposure of the NBA. Like, if there's a game a week. You're not seeing every team and every small market team, and because of the social media and, and everything else, you didn't know a, a lot about the other players and other teams. So he said they sometimes kind of randomly chose people. So that is an interesting kind of trivia. Like how many fans out there, if you did a, a trivia thing, could name you know all the players you know without cheating? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're original NBA Jam, and uh, so that it really is fun to think back of you know, how you had some some kind of no-name people that got celebrity and and people talk about that. uh, And I I don't have a name that comes to to mind right now, but I know some people who were in the original NBA Jam game have talked about that. It's like, you know, I became a celebrity because of NBA Jam.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. You know, you're playing in the NBA, yet it's the the video game that brings people to your attention, brings, you know, you do people's attention.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So one of the things that came out with the 25th anniversary of – uh, of NBA Jam last year. Uh, as I said, there was a couple of interviews that you did and uh, Mark Tumel did, and they talked about these special cabinets with uh, Michael Jordan and Gary Payton. Uh, what can you tell us about them? Uh, did, did you re-record any lines for his anus or the glove?
1: Yeah, that, that, my only involvement was, I was told that uh, their agents had contacted Midway. and they They weren't in the original game. I think it was Gary Payton's rookie year, so he was not in the first version. He ended up in subsequent versions. Mm. But somehow... Uh, the story goes, and this I actually was I was doing an interview on uh, uh, Chicago Sports Radio one day, and uh, about 25th anniversary, and Gary Payton was one of the calling guests, and I was in the studio, and he didn't know I was there, and he was coaching the Big Three, and they said, you know, so what's the Big Three like? He goes, oh man, it's kind of like NBA Jam, like you know, he's on fire from downtown, we got this four point shot, and they said, well, little do you know, we got the voice of NBA Jam in the studio. It was fun, we uh, had some fun with him. I met him the next day at the big three game and we met at the hall of fame again this year. So I got a little bit more of the backstory that uh, he and Ken Griffey were hanging out and he, and Michael Jordan at one point when he was in Seattle, you know, was, they were hanging out and NBA jam was the hottest game in the world. And you have Michael Jordan, the most competitive and best player in the league is not in NBA jam. He may never have even known that he could have been in it. I'm sure it was just a business decision because he opted out of the uh, a player's licensing agreement uh, for the NBA uh, because he felt his name and brand was too big and he didn't want to be a part of something that wouldn't you know, bring him revenue if it was making other people revenue. Good business decision. But at any rate, it probably drove him crazy that he couldn't play NBA Jam and all the other players could. So we did a version where I had to go in and do a Peyton Ken Griffey, a, a baseball player. How cool that he wanted to be in it, and Peyton, and uh, they shipped off uh, cabinets to each of those guys. And Gary ordered three because he had three homes. He said at the time, and his kids were young. So he owns. He still has his three cabinets, and uh, he, you know, jokingly said, Hey, you got, you know, if you ever want to play, you know, come on out uh, and and visit the household. And I've been thinking lately, talking to him about doing some kind of a uh, charity thing in vegas for an nba jam kind of uh celebration it should have been done on the 25th where he brings his cabinet and the world could see for the first time and people at the event could play a game with jordan and rookie payton and ken griffey in it um, so it will it remains to be seen of whether or not uh legally those roms uh can be um reproduced and get you know get it out, and it will depend on the person who, you know, EA or whoever picks up the license again for NBA Jam. Can you imagine, you know, if someone goes to Jordan's agent and says, hey, you know, new new version of the old version, this is the holy grail of all video games. It could be a smash. So I'm hoping that something like that happens. But yeah, it only exists in uh, those those arcade cabinets that were made.
0: So, yeah, I, I would love to see that game come out, basically, if the, if the Masters were still there. Just to, what... incredible find that would be as you say for basketball gaming history Uh, a few years back they found uh, copies of an unreleased um, i think it was lakers versus celtics that was supposed to come out for a pal version of super nintendo which was never released and that sold for about eighty thousand dollars or something incredible on ebay so all all this kind of stuff that these old masters and these unreleased versions that have been sitting in warehouses and everything for years big money and there's such interest in them as retro gaming has just become so big
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be like, can you imagine if there was, you know, some blockbuster movie star, you know, from an action film that, had, you know, he was going to originally play it and it was done and it's like sitting in some vault somewhere. It's just this great. You can't believe it's this unicorn like Michael Jordan in NBA Jam in the arcade version. I mean, (laughs) that would that would be incredible. So, uh, yeah, there's there's still, you know, some hope that that will get done. And and yeah, it should have been done on the 25th anniversary. But, you know, there's a lot of things that I would like like to do you know if i if i managed the brand if i was uh, partnered up with you know the you know ea and they were still active you know i'm, I'm trying to get a, a shoe a boom shock lock a shoe done you know uh-huh. uh, i've got uh, a, a rap song project called djs on fire where i'm uh, reaching out to different uh, hip-hop and rap artists and putting together a collection that i want released is like their take on nba jam and one version with my lyrics of uh, you know nba jam and Music And uh, if you go to my website, at Tim Kitzrow underscore, at Tim underscore Kitzrow on Twitter, uh, you can see those. I'm just releasing those. We did one for the Greek Freak called the Greek Freak on Fire Edition. I'm working on one for the Warriors called Dub Jam. What does Dub stand for? Dunkin' Unbelievable! <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's really fun to to uh, be a part of something and to carry the torch, as you said, because it's kind of like I'm a, I'm a man without a country right now you know I, I, I do carry the brand and carry the torch and trying to keep it alive best I can until you know someone uh, picks up a you know picks up the uh, title and wants to run with it again.
0: Oh, well, we're definitely hoping. So, if there's anything we can do to speed that along and share your content, we're happy to do it uh, because I'd love to see a well, new jam, and I know there's a lot of people who would yeah, <laughs> definitely.
1: Yeah, and, and it's so great. You know, I, I wonder like how much EA listens and you know how much their antenna is up because there are so many people. There are so many things going on that I've just done in the last few years by myself and you know untold you know podcasts and radio interviews especially during the 25th uh, and we did a, a whole NBA jam day for the Clippers the whole day was NBA jam day and for That's ESPN right. so it, they're, they're kind of missing the boat and it would be so much fun to be actively involved with their marketing and you know I've got a, a lot of ideas on how to you know sell because we, we never really the game certainly wasn't ever marketed that much even with EA Sports it was kind of under the radar never did any TV commercials and I always thought if there was one time to do a TV commercial for EA Sports it was NBA Jam and, and a lot of people for a lot of years said oh I didn't know there was a new version or even to this day they go oh I didn't know there was an EA version <laughs> so it's, it's kind of sad that uh, there, there hasn't been a lot of support behind that in recent years
0: and, and the first version the 2010 reboot was unfortunately saddled with the whole collapse of NBA Elite 11 the failed
1: rebranding of big, NBA Live as disaster. well a marketing disaster they offered it to uh, their fan base as an add-on freebie it was going to come attached with NBA Live. There were glitches in the NBA Live, so they had to postpone for a year. Ended up, I think, being two years. It was off the shelves.
0: Oh yeah. And then they
1: turned around and said, "Okay, well, you can still get NBA Jam, but it's going to be 59.99, 60 bucks, the same price as you would have paid for NBA Live and Jam." And Jam is an arcade title, and it doesn't, you know, deserve to have a sixty dollars title as much as I love the game. So it it, it pissed off a lot of Fans, and then the next year it came out for 1999 or 25 dollars as on fire edition. Then the people who bought the first one were like, "Why did why did I have to pay 60 yeah. for it?" So it's kind of a, a marketing debacle, and I think that's when they just went ah, now now that NBA Live is coming back, we don't want to put a lot more money into Jam because it could cannibalize our own product, you know. So you know they were trying to compete so heavily with the sim market, in NBA 2K. I think that they felt like NBA Jam, you know, would just kind of <clears throat> cannibalize that higher-priced title, and uh, when we went to the convention at E3 in, in Los Angeles, the game convention, we ended up getting best sports game at E3. For, I remember for that, that. yeah.
0: No, because both, that, should, I mean, both those games are great. It.
1: Yeah, but think of, like, you know, all their titles, their Madden and their FIFA and their 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 big WW whatever, wrestling at the time, uh, you know, we ended up getting the best in in show, and you would think that they would go, oh, we well, got to run with this, we got to push this, you know? You, you, you don't don't just win the best in show and, and not go go after it, you know. But they they never did, so uh, it was unfortunate.
0: It, it's something that my regular co-host uh, Ben Arcane and I often talk about <laughs> as far as what we'd like to see from EA in the future. Obviously, NBA Live like 2K is an annual title, but even if they alternated between years of a street, a new street and a new jam every year because they've got both licenses, no, well, obviously, I mean, that'd NBA, be great. NBA, in, yeah,
1: NBA 2K just bought uh, bought the Playground, so yeah. they're doing the smart thing. They got. Okay, here's your sim game, here's your arcade game. And, you know, why EA doesn't go, oh, okay, that's our biggest competitor. Let's throw something else, you know, throw another bone to our, our fans and give them NBA Jam again, the way they originally intended to do it, as either an add on or just part of the series. And go, now people are smart enough to go, okay, I love the sim, but I also want an arcade. Don't think of it as cannibalizing, just think of it as more profit, more fun, and bigger fan base. Going, EA, you guys are great. You gave us NBA Jam again. So
0: i mean i'm all for it and I, as i said on fire edition is one of my favorite games it's such a great great package that they really took everything from every past nba jam and really made a, a great product from it and yeah. if they just yeah. remaster that with current players i, I think that would sell yeah. incredibly well it's it is a great game it is it is a still a superior game to playgrounds on the sticks uh because yeah. of the, all the classic nba jam staples uh yeah I w- I would love to see it and I- again love to hear you in the- in the game because cause now we can actually hear you properly because back in the 8 bit era you were kind of a little bit fuzzy not not your fault that was the technology at the time so well it's-
1: it's, it's, uh, it's, to me it's the same as like a, a you know a silent movie or the movies you know the 30s right after when the first talkies came out as opposed to you know it's like my voice like I'm damn <laughs> yeah who's on fire it's almost corny for me to hear now because, it's you know, that's that's what we had to operate with, and that's the way it sounded. So it has a retro sound that's unique in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, now it's it's much fuller voiced. And, and I think that, you know, all my experience that, you know, uh, put back into an NBA jam again and after the experience with EA would be, you know, it would be something that people would love. And speaking of new, new games and things, I actually just did a, a fun – Thing with Blindlight uh, Studios, uh, Rage Two. Uh, so it's a cheat code that you can get a uh, voice pack, uh, NBA Jam voice pack, which I recorded for them. So a first-person shooter game with boom, <laughs> So it's uh, and you can see the trailer on uh, anywhere, but certainly on my, my Twitter site. But that was fun to to be involved with a, a kind of uh, you know different experience like NBA Jam meets you know shooter game with a sense of humor. So uh, look look for that and the other fun project I've done in the last year as the arcade games have come back is Mutant Football League. Mm. Now that game was originally released in '93. Uh, Michael Mendheim, the creator, uh, uh, he that was, that was the title was out with EA Sports, and it did really well. It had a Saturday morning cartoon show and action figures. It's this post-apocalyptic world: zombies and orcs and werewolves and robots and. Uh, and, uh, then when they went toward Madden full steam, they just kind of like they did with NBA jam, they put that on the shelf that, you know, kids don't want arcades anymore. And he <clears throat> felt that there was such a strong fan base kept, you know, asking for a reboot. So he did it and, uh, brought me in. He's here in Chicago. So, uh, I wrote the script and recorded, uh, play by play, my alter ego, grim blitz from from, <laughs> I wanted to say NFL blitz, grim blitz <laughs> from Mute football league. And uh, two other characters, so I voice uh, three characters, and it's this completely crazy, off the wall, like Texas Chainsaw Master meets NFL Blitz. You know, uh, uh, film, You know, it's like this crazy, you know, world. And uh, I think that anyone that played Blitz and loved it, you- you'll love this game. And we parody all the NFL names, and it's the only football game on on the, on the uh, switch right now and uh, it's just so much fun i don't know if you played it but uh, that was actually the most fun i've had recording basically ever it's just great fun and, and the game actually picked up a best in show at E3 this year where the small you know indie company was a uh, kickstarter million dollar budget competing against 30 million 40 million dollar you know budgets like uh, madden and uh, just recently got a, a best uh, top 20 uh, sports games uh, video games so it's doing really well and it's taken up steam i think it's sold over a hundred thousand units but it's on all the major platforms uh twitch and, and everything so uh, check that out it's it's really great fun
0: it's great that there is that market for those games and, and like you were saying earlier the the real video game approach to these sports and that people still are interested yep. in it. and i'm not sure if you've seen but there's a, another great game out on pc at the moment um, basketball classics by namo gamo i had josh and dave on the show a while back and they basically created a new version of double dribble, but it's got all the modern techniques and all the modern design and oh it's just a great retro basketball game. It's the retro basketball game I didn't know that I needed. It's it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I, I just love what this whole new Renaissance is doing. It's it's telling the younger generation for a while, I think, the companies themselves just made the decision. Like, nope, that's old fashioned arcades are not where it's at. It's all thin titles and then they went oh wait a minute kids loved arcades in the beginning because they were just fun and over the top you know and and if you put any young kid like when we we did the uh uh, comic-con fest we did you know uh uh, e3 and every kid especially that played youth football league just laughing grinning ear to ear it pick up quickly you know plays quickly don't, don't need a ton of instructions and that's the kind of fun, you know, the, you know, that I love to see people have. And it's great to know that, you know, in this world where, you know, things are getting so, you know, thick and there's so much, uh, uh, you know, time that you need to spend with these sim games, it's something you can pick up and laugh and with your friends and family. And uh, it's uh, it's something that uh, any NFL player, as I said, an NFL blitz, like once this gets going, if it gets in to the viral stream of NFL players talking about it, uh, we had a fun uh, campaign on uh Twitter, where we have uh, a parody of all the players' names uh, and teams, uh, the uh, the Nuke London Patriots and Bomb Shady, and uh, <laughs> Bomb Shady in the shotgun formation pulls out a shotgun and shoots his defender's face off. <laughs> you actually have these dirty tricks where you have a, a certain amount of a lot of dirty tricks you can use during the game. Uh, shotgun, uh, you can pull out a chainsaw. Uh, there's uh, you know hazards on the field, so uh, it, this is this is a great game. And, and when people ask me, "Did you think that uh, Jam or Blitz were going to be a big success?" I don't think I knew enough about, you know, what made a great game back then, and, and knew the the market. But I'll tell you, Mutant Football League has the makings of what should be a new classic game. So uh, I hope anybody listening uh, checks that out.
0: Fingers crossed, and definitely encourage everyone to to check that yeah. out. And you've posted a lot of uh, previews of that on your on your Twitter, as as you said.
1: Well, we're going to do hockey. And uh, and uh, uh, baseball and all the other sports that they had a mutant league hockey also so we're hoping that we get the green light uh, sales increase that we'll do some mutant league hockey as well.
0: One of the great things about the the game approach I think is that you can do all the all the fun stuff like you said like the shotguns and and the wild commentary and and secret players and of course we mentioned Michael Jordan earlier with the this whole situation with the special cabinets but that yeah. was the big rumor back in the day because, of course, Midway had Mortal Kombat, as we said, and there was Reptile, the secret character, the first secret character in a fighting game, and there was always the secret yeah. characters in Jam, so there was always the rumor, the kids spreading the, let's face it, misinformation at school about, oh, this is how you unlock Jordan in the game, and, of course, it was complete BS, but it was one of those fun things about about Jam, you had all, all the secret characters and other games did it as well, but I do think one missed opportunity is that you were never in the game as a playable character so you could never call out i'm on fire that was what it'd be a great easter egg
1: that that would be and, and fortunately though i did make it into showtime and uh, the ea sports version so uh, you can play me in the, in those games
0: oh you are in the ea version
1: yeah and but, you'll have to go online to get the code i don't i never remember
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can have that to our wiki but I'm you can sure. play,
1: you, it, it, it's mark mark Turmel and i the creator of nba jam are, are a duo in there and if you awesome. go to YouTube, you can you can you can probably look Mark Chmell, Tim Kitzrow, or whatever. It just comes up on a lot of you know people posted. So there's some fun stuff. And of course, we did the the, uh, the Democrat versus the Republicans, and you know had uh, Bush and Cheney against uh, the Hillary and Barack. I think I, I forget the combination. I think it. I think yeah, it was he, yeah, yeah.
0: Because, of course, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were in the originals as well as secret right. characters in Torn yeah. Edition. Yeah, yeah. it uh, it blew my mind back in the day because once you once you beat all the teams under your initials, that's when the secret players start showing up as opponents after that. And I right. remember playing a, playing a game after beating all the teams and wondering what would happen and just a random team comes up and uh, then it's the, uh, the Suns gorilla. And I was like, "What? What's going on yeah. here?" And it, it was just, and that's something I think that perhaps again we miss from games because obviously all these secrets are revealed straight away online, which is cool in one respect, but yeah. perhaps that discovery aspect of what really made those old games special.
1: Yeah, you know, back in the day, uh, people used to actually hang out at the arcade and sell the uh, different cheat codes and secret characters because you <laughs> know it was pre you know internet where people couldn't just you know of pick course. up their phone or you know go to their computer if they had a computer. So people who bought the magazines the special editions with nba jam on the cover had the cheat code and so then they would just copy them down and then they'd go and sell them for like a buck or two like hey <laughs> man you want the cheat code <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah, they, they talk about funny. how arcades arcades are shady business you know just all push, yeah, yeah. those pushes those pushes of codes that are turning kids into cheaters it's just oh
1: yeah so i'll give you a couple of funny stories uh, or interesting stories about Jam. One that I like to tell, and we we went to the uh, Game Developers Conference last year, and we did a post mortem of Jam. It was the first time that Sal DeVita, who's the co-creator and artist, and he does almost all the um, uh, physical stuff for the capture for for a lot of the, the video games, including Mortal Kombat, Slugfest, and Blitz. Uh, so uh, we we kind of they gathered all these things in archives that people have never seen. We had a, a great PowerPoint presentation. I was the MC and host. And Heckler. Uh, but we, uh, we went over, you know, some of these fun facts that uh, people had forgotten about. And one of them was that um, uh, when uh, the game came out, uh, this player, Drazen uh, Petrovic, was in the game and he was tragically killed in a car accident. And one night right, at yeah. the uh, factory, uh, they all, the, you know, maybe like a hundred, couple hundred games are in the factory. And like after, you know, you know people are leaving work and the, the lights are off, uh, they were walking through there and, and the cabinet just started like going Petrovich, Petrovich like the game like turned on and started saying his name and there are a couple of other stories if you look online too and Mark will co- corroborate this where arcade owners said that the same thing happened like for no reason like it wasn't in attract mode and that Petrovich certainly wasn't in a track mode feature but suddenly there would just be like it, it's on and it's me yelling Petrovich, Petrovich the haunted cabin. Ooh, that's uh, that's uh, really uh, creepy. Yeah, <laughs> that's... yeah, and it's and it, it is real and it's documented. So whatever. And I, I mean, I had a couple, of, uh, you know, other things like that. Where when you're, as I said, the recording studios were at the factory at Midway Games. So we'd be in this back room. We'd come out, and there's the factory floor, and we were doing pinball games. There would be literally like a couple hundred games on the floor. Lights are off, and I'm walking out, and I just done the Twilight Zone. Rod Serling's voice. And they leave them on test for like twenty four hours to make sure there are no bugs or whatever. So it was just playing this attract mode, and so to hear my voice of Rod Serling in a dark factory, a hundred machines <laughs> like <laughs> you're, 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 you've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. I mean, talk about a Twilight Zone episode. So that was really weird. So the other the other story that uh, uh, hardcore jam fans will know. Shaq was the biggest fan in the NBA for NBA Jam. He loved it so much. Now, people forget, you know, for me, 26 years ago, it doesn't seem like that much, but if you're 30 years old, so 26 years ago, there was no home video games. There was no home console where you could play an NBA game. And so he actually took an NBA Jam cabinet on the road, flown on a jet, or he would, in town where he was staying, he would have one of his guys call a local arcade, and they'd bring one to the room. So that he would stay up all night with the players and gamble and play NBA Jam. <laughs> How about
0: that? And he wasn't in the game either. He was in an early version. I've got a screenshot of a beta that he was in, but he was removed as well. I think he also had a a contract with another company, perhaps.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know that he was in in there somewhere. But uh, and he said he never played it as himself. He always wanted to play as a three point specialist. I think he mm. played as Scott Skiles. <laughs> Uh, he, goes, he goes, that's something I couldn't do in, in real life. So that was my fantasy, he said, you know, playing <laughs> that. So, uh, And just a quick side note there's, um uh, You'll see on my site and any NBA Jam fans, NBA Jam the book. Uh, there's a uh, uh, great writer, uh, Rian Ali, has been uh, working on a book about NBA Jam and the history for the last couple of years, and it's going to be out soon. So look for that. And he's got a nice website that any, even, you know, not just NBA Jam, but just classic and retro games. He always has great stuff and Hard to find archive stuff, and then there's a uh, documentary about the rise and fall of the, the great era of midway games. That's going to feature NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat, uh, Rampage, uh, uh, narc and some other games. Uh, and we previewed that out in San Francisco uh, for a, for a group, and it's going to be great. It's going to be the first movie of its kind that you know talks to the you know the head of the company, all the game designers, the actors from Mortal Kombat, myself, uh, and gives you a behind the scenes look of the motion capture. You know the the uh, how NBA Jam and the fire stuff came about. So uh, look for that, and you know people who you know just keep following me on Twitter. You know as, a, as that happens, uh, it's going to be a great year with the book and the documentary.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I was actually going to ask you about the book because I follow them on Twitter as well, and all, as you say, always great content and just great to see yeah. that kind of interest in in the old games. Yeah. Of course, I do Wayback Wednesday, uh, a feature every week, and yeah. I've looked at quite a few jams. I think I had about. A month there early this year where everything was jam i just got on a jam kick again which is always fun but yeah that, that, it's really great to hear the, that in a movie and a book coming out about yeah about games that we really love and a, a true classic and uh, you, you mentioned that you didn't really know the market or anything at the time but when you saw jam in action did you kind of realize how fun it was going to be and did you have any time on the sticks yourself
1: nope never never did just uh was not comfortable did not grow up a gamer uh was just i was that in between generation and all my energy was you know acting and improv and playing real basketball and i just never bothered to you know learn the <laughs> to learn the sticks and the buttons and uh i'm okay with that but uh it's uh it's been a thrill to see you know how many young kids can just walk up the cabin and pick pick it up so quickly right now because new generation is so tech savvy and you know even back then it was hard for me to believe that all these kids are like zooming around on that, and I couldn't even <laughs> I couldn't even do it so
0: see I see, I thought I was going to have a scoop here that you were you actually going to reveal that you are the grand champion of, of jam, but
1: <laughs> oh no no not not the chance so another interesting thing is I, I thought I would mention is that over the years I would get. Uh, emails or when Facebook came about, you know, fans from around the world, like, Oh, I'm such a fan. Could you please do a voicemail for me? Or my buddy's birthday. Could you, you know, I give you his number? You could, you know, say something. So uh, a guy I met on Twitter said, Hey, why don't we turn this into a business? Cause he was thinking the same thing. So we've got this new website called who said what now.com who said what now.com and uh, what it is, is a service where you go to the site, And you can pick from one of like six templates for a voicemail where I'll use, I'll customize it with your name. Or you can tell me exactly what you want for your voicemail. Or you can choose another section of just have me basically, you know, be at your disposal to be a voiceover guy for uh, whether you want to send a birthday message for for a friend. Uh, You can send in videotapes, you know, for, you know, your own highlights or uh, an e-vite for a, a barbecue or a fantasy football league or basketball league. It's basically hiring me for a, a, a reduced rate because this is just a way to give back to the fans. Uh, but for twenty-five or fifty dollars for custom, uh, you can either send in videos or uh, for podcast drops or, or whatever. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, and it's fun to see what people are sending in. And I'm waiting for some people to be more creative, like just like film your morning at Starbucks or you know around <laughs> town and just have me and have me do voiceover commentary for it. You know, so uh, uh, it's really fun the way that the fans have been so loyal. And it's fun for me, as I said, to interact, to talk with guys like you and people who are still keeping the flame alive. And I'm just happy to uh, have been part of this whole whole process.
0: So some poor guy spills his coffee, his hot coffee on him at uh, Starbucks. And, oh, he's on fire. It just...
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I and mean, there's just so many. It's, it's like when you know Letterman used to do a thing where, like, you know, ask, ask your question. And people love to try to, like, set him up because they knew he would do some fun video. So, like, I can't wait for people just do some random stuff. Or or beer pong or whatever you know uh, you know hanging out with your 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 girlfriend or you know I'm waiting for somebody to send me like a, a request to do a, a breakup line for you know <laughs> <laughs> on the phone you've been rejected
0: <laughs> I mean what a business opportunity and you, you can't you know that's got to take the sting out of it surely you know to hear Tim Kitzrow you know telling
1: you that you're rejected surely <laughs> uh, so yeah we've got a, a couple of fun uh, videos and samples up there for people to see it who said what now so you can get an idea and then uh, please uh, send send me your send me your crazy ideas and let's see if we can have some fun together
0: i've been trying to think of one for the podcast actually the nlc podcast i've got to come up with something that isn't corny <laughs>
1: so, or maybe i do maybe
0: corny <laughs> maybe corny the better
1: <laughs> the, the weirder is the better i like a challenge it's like when nba teams send me their clip and imagine what a fantasy for me instead of just coming up with stock lines to record for a video game to let the computer figure out how to match up generic lines. I can never speak very specifically about a, a player-specific move or a tendency or, you know, that moment in the game. So the Warriors send me, you know, a, a minute and a half clip, and I look at it, there's no sound. It's just, you know, footage from their game. And that fun moment of seeing that Blake canvas and go, hmm, what, what am I going to do with that? You know, so I see Steph Curry hit three in a row. So I go, three-time NBA champ Steph Curry, what does he have for breakfast? Snap, crackle, pop. Nice crisp freeze. Make them <laughs> a part of your battles NBA diet. Kaboom or a hardened harden drive in the lane. This is a limited time TV offer. It slices and dices, it dunks in your face, announcing the amazing hardenizer. You're sold separately. Call now and we'll throw in this free dagger at the buzzer. Kaboom
0: So uh, so awesome to listen to, I have to tell you.
1: <laughs> well that's 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 where I I realize like I'm not doing a job, I'm doing you know, they always say, you know, if you if you love what you do is your passion. It's never a job. And I could do that forever and ever. Just send me as many highlights. And the more NBA teams I work with, the better. And, you know, it, it's fun to take what I do out of the, as I said, the confinement and the restrictions of a cabinet and a computer and and do real lines for real, real players in real time or for crazy people at Starbucks. <laughs> Speaking
0: of crazy lines, there's a question that I've been wondering about for, I guess, over 20 years now and just to see whether you have any insight or just just for your own entertainment I, I want to put this clip into the uh, into the podcast and, and see what the situation is uh, people may remember in NBA Jam Tournament Edition you could play with a rookie squad by default or once you defeat all 27 teams at the time that you can actually unlock the All-Stars squad and during the tonight's matchup screen there's a rather interesting uh, sound clip which I'll just add to the show right now <laughs>
1: Tonight's matchup versus Cavaliers.
0: <laughs> now that's quite interesting uh, uh, sound effect there.
1: <laughs> well, I don't remember doing LSD during any of the recording sessions, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I always I was always sober at the recording sessions. But that was uh, that that's a new one to me. I don't think I, I ever knew that existed. I, I never heard it. So we're gonna have to uh, chalk that up to uh, uh, Spill on your coffee and <laughs> i was on fire
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think that, that, no that, that that's the canon that's,
1: that's, a, that's fun that that you stumped me on that one man maybe you <laughs> you know maybe i'll call john Hay, who did the script and say what the hell was that
0: <laughs> oh I, I would love to get an answer that that would satisfy me the 12 year old playing that game <laughs> so much to know what was because there was always people at school would say oh no he's he's saying rooks or something like that for the rookies I'm like no i think that's just a scream um yeah it's something something we're trying to work out for the better part of two decades and you know obviously the nostalgia and everything tim i i cannot tell you how to do a single equation a quadratic equation or anything from high school but i can tell you that on the super nintendo version of tournament edition left right abba is the dunk from anywhere code so i remember the important stuff you know
1: (laughs) see that's why i could never master the game i couldn't remember that (laughs) <laughs> no good in math and too much you know too too many too many instructions too many buttons to push <laughs> I
0: always pick up and play right
1: that's right well that's right as I said I'm always impressed with, with, with watching gamers do it and you should have seen this guy at the Emporium Arcade taking on Sal DeVita who was the co-creator of the game you know he he gave him a a run for his money and he told us all about his strategy which players he was doing and how to lay back and wait till the end and everybody's got their tricks and so that's something that's so new to me but i love the fact that there are such hardcore players that they really really know how to strategize it's not all things equal in nba jam there's really great strategy and i think that's one of the reasons it survives it's you know it looks like a quick simplistic kids game but you know the the if you're in a competition, you'll get you'll get buried and humiliated in a hurry. <laughs> oh, the, the strategies! In yeah, Con, we had some top players, and and they were like each one would like barely beat the other, and then this other guy who just like wandered in that day, he won by like forty points. He just crushed everybody. <laughs> so there's there's some strategy there.
0: You know, that was the interesting thing about On Fire Edition because you could unlock the the jam bots, which had been basically learning your strategy in the background, and they threw it back on you, and Man, I, I just never realized how cheesy I am at the game because they were like, what is it doing? It's, this is not fair. Oh, this is what I'm doing to the CPU. It's, I deserve this.
1: Exactly. Yep, exactly. There was another quick story I'll uh, uh, end with that Mark Tumel told at the conference that I loved. Is, uh, they went out to kind of watch in the background to see how the game was doing, he and Sal, and they noticed a guy who would put in money and, uh, and with the four controllers, he ended up playing the AI stick. He wasn't playing his guy. And the game's like two minutes in, and they're like, oh, man, should we tell this guy? Well, we don't want to interfere. We're just watching. (laughs) And finally he goes up and he says, hey, just have to tell you, the stick you're playing, you're not moving anything. That's the AI. That's the computer. Your guy is this one. He goes, oh, okay, Okay, thanks. So he starts playing that handle, and like 30 seconds later, he goes back to playing the AI stick. He liked his AI competition better. (laughs) He just—I mean—that's just the craziest thing. He like he was satisfied pretending he was playing, watching the AI do all the work.
0: <laughs> you know there is a lot of people, even with the sim games, that want the coach mode, that just watch the games. And I've never understood it. I like yeah. to have my hands on the sticks and do something. It's, but uh, <laughs> it, yeah, some people yeah. like to watch. And I suppose now with streaming and everything, that's a, that's a big part of gaming now is is to watch other people play and. Again, with retro gaming, you see some retro streams of jam as well, and it's it's really cool.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, another thing I'm working on is a uh, a voice pack for Dota Jam. We were hoping to have it out by spring, but we're going to uh, look for a, a fall release probably. So I know Dota is just ridiculous. They have twenty million dollar purses for these, you know, uh, competitions, and they fill up the stadiums around the world, and uh, it's just off the charts. So we're going to do a special uh nba jam uh voice pack for that and actually you can see that there's a trailer uh online for dota jam i did and uh it's quite fun really i think that's gonna be a lot of fun as well
0: definitely something to uh, to look forward to well you know tim it has been so fun to talk to you today and get an insight into one of my all-time favorite games and and get all those insights uh, into it uh yeah thank you so much for joining the nlc podcast
1: hey mike my pleasure. You, you, you're just a great guy and, and you just represent like so many of the great people I've met out there. And, and now that I've been going to more conventions and meeting fans, it's, it really humbles me and warms my heart that, you know, that people are so enthusiastic and and they have such a, a, a fond, you know, uh, memory of the game. And hopefully we can keep it going. Uh, and as you said, you know, get another jam version out. But otherwise, uh, I just want to thank all the fans out there that have uh, you know been part of like my career and, and supported the game. Games and MLB Slugfest, which is my other all-time favorite game. There, there are so many great clips online of the comedy we did. Uh, we did load screens with sixty-second uh, improv's of us up in the booth, and so it's really been you know a career that no one could have ever you know planned out and certainly gotten out of college and classically trained acting you know profession like thinking that's what you're going to be doing. Going, I'm going to be doing the voice of video games, and and it's really an unexpected joy. And once again, all these years later, that you actually take time to call me and, and talk about it, and, and all the funny little trivia and, and, and great little hidden Easter eggs, and you stumped me a couple of times with the, ah! <laughs> 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 like, where did that come from? So everybody's got their own little stories and memories, and uh, and I'm just happy to be part of it, so thanks for having me on, and uh, and uh, hope to uh, uh, have a lot of folks reach out to me after this, you know, find me, as I said, Tim underscore Kittsrow on Twitter, and uh, com for my website, so uh, uh to- Feel free to call any time, and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: The Baron of Boom Shaka There it is. Thank you, Tim. There you go.
1: Hey, thank you, man. We'll see you later.
0: I certainly hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was a lot of fun talking to Tim. Great to get an insight into the games. And yes, I just had to ask that question about that weird sound effect from NBA Jam Tournament Edition. No way that I could let that opportunity slip by, of course. So hope you got a kick out of that, too. We will be looking to do some more interviews in the future. Definitely something we'd like to do to change things up here on the new and improved NLC podcast. In the meantime, it will be back to business as usual next week. It'll be Ben and I, that's Arcane, of course, talking about the future of NBA Live and its attempts at coming back this generation and where it needs to go from here. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I encourage you to subscribe to the show on iTunes. You'll also find us on various podcasting apps such as Stitcher or Podcast Addicts. Search for the NLC podcast logo. That will be us or just keep streaming it on the NLSC itself. As we always say, as long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. You can also connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. On YouTube, we are NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week. Thanks once again to Tim Kitsoro, and thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. Go get buckets, everyone. Three of them in a row if you want to be on
1: fire.